Welcome everybody back, everybody back to the not very triumphant because I just fucked that up. Return of the Wrestling Wars podcast. I'm here with the man of seven thousand five hundred and seventy-three matches. KB, we are here to tell the tale of two shows. That's basically what our two uh, bigger shows this last weekend or two weekends ago, I guess it is now, uh, sum up to be between Takeover. And SummerSlam, and then the night after Monday Night Raw. Um, I, a couple of I, how can this? Well, you know what? It's because it's almost. I was gonna ask you, how can this be the same company that put out both of these shows? But in a way, it's kind of not the same company because we know that there are two separate production and writing mm-hmm. and booking teams that run NXT and that run the main roster stuff. Um, that's a subject that's been covered quite thoroughly on this here program um yeah i uh, that's an argument i get into in the comments on my site almost weekly at this point where yeah it is the same company spearheading the same the whole thing but like you said it's too nxt is its own entity and has been for well over a year now uh just you have it, it's just so wildly different and so wildly more effective, which I don't think is any breaking news, but um, it, it really is, they're not the same thing. It, it might be officially WWE's product, and it's on the WWE Network, all praise be its name, but it's mm-hmm. not It's not the same thing. They're, they are two different companies, at least in my eyes. How fucking smart of them to be able to do that, to almost have it be two companies, but obviously it's under the same company. I mean that's that's fantastic of them to to it is. to figure but, out a direction to where they can grab every you know yeah and they've made their own in-house indie company which is amazing which like it's a brilliant idea well it's bigger than that I wouldn't it's not an in-house indie company it's a it's it's ROH All Stars it's pretty much borderline getting to be where it's almost like its own like uh, another promotion like a B promotion. Like, because, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll take people back, and this is just a comparison of how the shows are done and the level of popularity, you know, for a single territory. But, like, say, for instance, uh, Mid-Atlantic or Jim Crocker Promotions back in the day, where would they record their television show? Inside of that little fucking TV studio, right? Yeah, WTBS okay. in Atlanta, 500 mm-hmm. people. 500 people. Then they would go on the road for their big shows, Greensboro, Atlanta... Orlando, um, Charlotte, and they'd be in a big arena. Yep. Now, here we are. NXT films its show down in Orlando in front of about 500 people. Mm-hmm. It takes its big show on the road. Now, in front of a crowd, which was 15,500. That's nuts. Last Saturday night. And this is what I was talking about as well um, in a recent show with Shockey or somebody. It's almost more impressive because um, the brand isn't at its apex right now. I would call the brand's apex back in May when they first went on the road um, and did their little house show circuit in the Northeast um, yeah. when they I had everybody. Uh, that was probably when they had reached their apex as far as uh, the, how deep the roster was and how hot the product was. Um, yeah, They don't I'll even have that. that now, and they're still selling out a 15,000 seat arena and just 
Well, I mean, I read somewhere that uh, WWE was shooting for 5,000 people mm-hmm. for TakeOver, and they wound up getting three times that and about a 700 grand gate for a show that is an in- that is the minor league show. That's astounding. I mean, $700,000 is nothing to sneeze at for any promotion. No, hell no. Fuck no. Um, if, I, if I remember right, the first Starcade drew a million bucks. Or something even, like that. I don't even... Well, a million bucks in 1983 is a lot of fucking money now. But, um, no. Back to this... I mean... I'm kind of past calling it... I mean, they're on the verge to where can you even call it minor league to where when they're going to be touring, they're going to be drawing money now. Like, they're going to be turning a profit. This is, I would much more call it developmental than I would call it minor league at this point because a, it's it showed it's big time. It's developmental in the way that they're trying to get people used to working a WWE style, looking for cameras, um, being a part of the WWE production of the WWE machine, but in it is in and of itself, its own promotion and its own uh, wrestling show. Well, see, I wrote a column about this a couple months back, actually. It depends on who you're talking about, if it's developmental or minor league. Because there are people down in NXT, like Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, who were ready for the main roster the day they signed their contracts. I don't think that's any real secret either, where they're those guys didn't need to be in NXT. They were, we were lucky that they went there. They didn't need to be there. It wasn't really developmental well, for them. Well, see, the thing is, the thing is, is it is developmental, and I'll tell you how. And even Finn Balor talked about this, how it blew his mind. And it's the same for Sami Zayn, it's the same for Kevin Owens, it's the same with a lot of the guys. Um, nobody, when the WWE, you know, when you come down to the ring, they're going to tell you, okay, when you come down here and you do this movement, you're going to do it at this time when mm-hmm. the music hits this note and the camera you're going to look at is going to be over there. That's what you're going to do. And Finn Balor said that nobody had ever, he had never, even in NJPW, which is a huge promotion in mm-hmm. Japan, nobody had ever had a conversation with them like that before in his life. Like he had no idea about that sort of thing adding to the presentation that's going to help add to the overall presentation of the product. Um and so that was something all all those guys got trained on. In the ring, promos, uh, comfort, confidence, yeah, no, they didn't need development. But when you're trying to maximize your presentation and your package, um, that's those are very crucial things. And that's stuff that they learned. And I will tell you from the perspective of somebody who was in the live crowd up at TakeOver and who knows to look for stuff like that, you could tell... Like, it was blatantly obvious, if you can read lips, when the match would be over, um, and they'd be showing the replay on the screen, mm-hmm. you could tell that you, that the people on TV, at home watching on TV, um, you could tell that they were watching the replay, because in the ring, the referee would be talking to the wrestler, and you could clearly see him pointing out into the crowd, a hard camera, like, okay, it's going to be right there. In 10 seconds, look at the screen, wait for the replay to be over, and then look at the cameraman and do your pose, or whatever. And they would stand there, and they'd look at the screen, and then when it was about to be over, they would start doing their pose. I mean, and you could, I, I could tell that was clearly what was happening. Um, and But you could see that there was a lot more instruction involved in it than, um, 
the regular main roster guys where they knew camera's going to be here at this time, um, replay's going to be done at this time, do this when, when this light hits me this way. You know what I mean? And you could yeah. tell that there was a lot of uh, feeding that because the referee's got earpieces. So whoever's like, producing the show in the back is telling them, okay, tell them, look at this camera, camera three, this direction on this side in five seconds, blah, 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 blah. And so you could tell that they were developing and learning how to do that to be a part of the WWE production. But so in those ways, for everybody down there, still developmental. But as far as what we see on TV, it's a full-fledged, its own wrestling promotion. Well, so I'll, uh, you're absolutely right in all that. I'm not questioning a bit of that. I would call that more like finishing school than developmental, yeah, though. Absolutely. See, absolutely. I mean, when you, I just have a hard time saying that Finn Balor and Eva Marie are in the same level of yeah of development that, yeah that's where that's where not they quite. lose me on that not quite so, I, I would call that like finishing school something like that it's one of the great tragedies of our time that even marie doesn't seem to have a fucking shred of a clue of what's going on because no. she has in my opinion in the opinion of many who i know easily like by miles the most captivating look of any of the divas and I'm not even talking about from a, like, wow, she's fucking hot perspective. She just looks different. She just looks mm. unique. She's a cut above everybody else that they got there. Her persona and the way she carries herself just attracts heat, mm-hmm. you know. And it just is a shame that she is fucking cover your eyes awful. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I saw her down at Access last year, and you, you're right. You can feel a presence to her. Yeah. You don't get that all the time. Like, I mean, I met, I saw her at Access the night before I had seen Maria Kanellis, who is one of the few people who is the only person on this planet other than my wife that can take my breath away when mm-hmm. I saw her. Even Marie blew her away as far as just a presence around her goes. I'm not gonna, because I'm not gonna, you know, jump out and, and, and bury people who have been in it, but I'm just gonna say I've met quite a few chicks from the show and honestly, a lot of them in person are just kind of like, okay, well, that's just, you know, a pretty, you know, it's just a hot chick. Like, I, you know, you know what I mean? It's not nothing mm-hmm. special, that right. special. You know, she's just above average, you know, very attractive woman. Even Marie is something special and something different. So yeah. it's a shame. Yeah. What wasn't a shame was these fucking cards. Do you have anything else uh, as far as the opening, uh, the opening bullshittery? Uh, just Before we those, jump into these cards. Those 7,573 matches, which I believe is how many Aiden English sang that there had been in WWE history, because Aiden English back in the day was amazing, uh, I think those all happened this past weekend, because this was one of the most packed three days of wrestling I have ever seen. Oh, yeah? Oh, it was just... I mean, it, it's one thing to go and watch them. It's another thing to sit down and write about every single one of them. I love wrestling, but yeah, at the end of the weekend, true, I'm true, like, true. for the love of God, I need a breather here. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yes, on with the greatness that was uh, Saturday night. So, okay, so I, I feel that, you know, obviously we felt the same way about the crowd. Obviously, our experiences were a little bit fucking different. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, when I got home, because I was, it was hard to explain. I'm texting the Shockmaster, my other co-host, I'm texting him during the show, and I'm asking him, like, hey, how does it sound on TV? How does it sound on TV? How are we on TV? Because it was so loud where I was sitting that it all just kind of became noise. 
Like, it wasn't distinguishable. Like, this is extra loud. It's like every, everything felt extra loud to me because at some point it just kind of turns into static. And you're like, mm-hmm. I, don't, oh, I yeah. don't even know. But he told me, and I was quite pleased to see right when I got home and I turned it on. And I turned on Jushin Liger versus uh, Tyler Breeze. I was like, yes. This crowd did carry over. This crowd was all that. And a bag of chips on the fucking broadcast. Intensity, heat, insanity, the entire show. And what's funny is I would call it a top ten crowd of all time. But that wasn't even... the What you saw in TakeOver wasn't even the biggest pop of the night. It came later. You got to see it on the, at the opening of NXT this week at the weekly show. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, how was the atmosphere? How was that part of the show for you watching on TV? So. It was it was awesome. Uh, I did I did have to roll my eyes a little bit when the crowd was insulting Full Sail. <laughs> it was hey for, to be clear, um, that was happening like outside the building. Like when we we're lining yeah. up to come in, people are chanting Full Sail sucks, Full Sail sucks better than Full Sail. Personally, I thought that was kind of a funny, like, little endearing thing between separate NXT crowds because Full Sail had been booing the fact that the show was going to be in Brooklyn for weeks. So they were doing it back. And you know everybody who was at Full Sail all the time was watching the show, so they heard it. I thought that was funny, personally. Well, I get the idea, but it's just kind of like, really? We're really doing this? See, I'm just always worried that it's going to break down into the uh, post-WrestleMania 29 crowd. And just where ruin. people are just jacking off, yeah. Yeah. I'm well, probably... I will tell you, speaking of breakdowns, that I personally witnessed at least three people get kicked out of this show. So things were breaking down plenty. That was a very uh, adult and very rowdy crowd that was there. Oh, um, yeah, I will say was gonna... it was at least ninety percent adults, which is now, something you don't really see at all at a <coughs> at regular WWE shows. Yeah. Now, and above that, though, until until a New York crowd comes up with a chant to top, come on, Blakey, let's go party. Yeah. They have nothing to say solid, on Full Pretty sale. solid. That is the most amazing chant I have ever heard. And I, I do, was there And I was there the night they started singing John Cena sucks to the tune of his music. I was. I have to, um, a small anecdote, just at the beginning of the show, speaking yeah. of the surroundings and the rowdiness, the rowdiness probably was in part to the fact that the Barclays Center is Satan's asshole of a place to go to a fucking wrestling show. This this thing is like you're in the middle of fucking Brooklyn and then just on a random block they decided to just drop a stadium in the, on it. Like, there's nothing. It's surrounded by regular, busy, insane, small, one-way streets and just high-rise buildings. It's fucking insane it's ridiculous it was such a pain in the ass to get in there they have it's not set up like they have restaurants around there but they're just regular busy restaurants like they're not the type they're not restaurants that can handle an influx of 16,000 nearly people right so myself and other members of uh other regular guests of the show well soon enough they'll be regular guests of the show we had to uh, resort to sneaking into a Chuck E. Cheese to get the bathroom and eat some pizza. Did you know you have to have a kid with you to go to Chuck E. Cheese? No, I didn't. But that is a idea. fucking fact. Maybe it's just because it's in a busy city. Maybe it's not like that everywhere else. But we had to find out the hard way that, yes, indeed, you do have to have a kid with you to go inside Chuck E. Cheese. Except they are not um, 
their vetting process is not the strongest. Well, I mean, I don't know. Well, I don't know if it is. We there walked up and they said, "Do you have a kid with you?" We're like, "No, we're here for the uh, the Smith party," and they just let us in. Well, I don't know because I mean, I go there five times a week. I don't know if it's maybe I just look young. I mean, my beard is a mm. little bit younger than most mm. people, so they didn't have the band up there playing. There wasn't a. Oh man, then why would you go? It was. It was. I mean, people needed to pee bad, and pizza needed to be eaten. It was a pretty fucking well, pizza strain, always strenuous situation. Um. So we get in there. I'm glad the crowd sounded solid to you at home. It was a good atmosphere the whole night oh, it was, long. It was excellent. Um, highlights from the show. I thought Liger and 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 Breeze was a, was a cool way to kick it off. Um, mm-hmm. It was a pretty basic match, but you know it, it was exactly what everybody came there to see. Liger got all the signature spot ins spots in. Uh, everybody popped for every one of them. We got to see the fucking overhead surfboard in America. You never get to see that. Um, which, I on it comment, was, which on commentary they actually time. called the Rito Romero special. Yeah. I know that's the proper name for it, but it's Jushin Thunder Liger. It's a surfboard. Yeah, it's a surfboard. But, I mean, you know, even that part's exciting. Oh, that's another thing that nobody got to see. Corey Graves, when they come out, he gets on the steps, and he gets on the mic, and he's like screaming at the crowd like this is it because of you he was like really pumped up and you could hear his, his voice cracked and stuff like he was super super emotional about the situation and you know that tugged at my heartstrings mm-hmm. and for somebody like such as yourself me and you who have been um part of this nxt for full sale thing from the beginning uh for many of you don't know that Corey graves was one of the one of the bigger stars of the show when it first moved to full sale um he wasn't always just a commentator he was a, a very good uh, up-and-coming wrestler um, so that was pretty emotional, pretty cool. Um, that was a good, a, a good solid moment. But yeah, it was cool to hear them. I thought they did a very good job. He and uh, the other commentators. Yeah, he. I, I'm not. I wasn't nearly as big on Graves as you were back in the day. But he's mm-hmm. he's found that niche as a commentator. Yeah, I'm really really glad that he's actually doing really well. He's actually fairly entertaining a lot of nights on uh on commentary. So yeah, I'm glad yeah, he's coming he, along. He came off as just like a basically a CM Punk clone at first. Uh, in the ring, and now yeah. he's he he comes off like someone who really does fit their character, yeah. which is a good sign. I'm glad how'd he's you, got something to do. How'd you like uh, Breeze and Breeze and Liger? Uh, I liked it uh, quite a bit. Uh, Liger continues to just be a performer, which you can see that in him. Um, like with the spot where he grabbed the selfie stick and was posing <laughs> with it, that was great. Um, Breeze continues to be the most underrated guy on the on the NXT roster, who I'm coming into that night, I was thinking he might be Balor's challenger in the like the the valley between the takeovers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe even at the next takeover. But uh, I mean, he's is there anyone in NXT who was completely overperformed and made the made the most out of a gimmick? that look to be pure comedy. Yeah, yeah, it's true. true. Than Tyler Breeze. He has gone, he has taken that thing from a joke to having some awesome matches. I mean, they put him with Jushin Thunder Liger in Liger's first WWE match ever. That's not bad. Um, I was kind of surprised that Liger went over, but above all else, though, the key thing for me, as I've said before, I have full confidence that NXT can pull Breeze right back up. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I was kind of thinking the same way. It was like it was kind of surprising to have him come in <clears throat> and go over one of their bigger up-and-coming talents. But really, it's the type of situation where it's it's more about the fact that he had a match with yeah. Juice Thunder Liger rather yeah. than 
um, you know, the result, the actual result. Right. Whereas, you know, it was a great moment, uh, fun to watch the match. He goes against a legend, and then, you know, Liger will go away. Breeze will be built right back up, and we'll continue yeah. on. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't mind it. Yeah, and l- l- you would never guess Liger's 50. Oh, he moved, he absolutely moved. not. It was – that was a great match, and he was all over oh, the yeah. place. I was like, I can't fucking believe this. Like, I had to keep reminding, you know, people I was watching, that guy's fucking 50. Wow. And he's rock. He, he looked great out there. I mean, oh, yeah. Okay, no, we didn't see the shooting star press. I can live with a 50 year old man. <laughs> I can live a with a 50 year old man not doing a shooting star press. This is not Terry Funk, for goodness sakes. Um, <coughs> what else uh, will stood out to you on, on, on the undercard? Uh, well, the big thing for me was uh, Blue Pants coming out, which. They kind of spoiled it a little bit with the vaudevillains wearing blue pants. I'm going to be honest. I oh, So many people are going to be rolling in their graves after listening to this when I say it. I don't really get it. I don't get, I, I don't get the blue pants thing. Blue pants comes off much more to me like, like Full Sail. She's like this star that Full Sail created. And they beca- so, they created her because yeah. they were bored it's one kind night. Kind of a jerking off thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing, which is a shame, because Leva Bates is a very, very good wrestler, and has she a, is. a very well, good look about her in her own right. And it well, kind of sucks with, that what has happened. You know, she's over, but I don't know how sustainable it really is. Well, okay. See, the thing. I, let me clarify a little bit on this. I wasn't happy that it was blue pants. I was happy that it's that the fans wanted blue pants and, they and got that's it. what they yeah. were given. Yeah. yeah it's okay. like they're actually it's another difference with NXT and WWE. NXT actually seems like they think a step ahead of the fans mm-hmm. and go with where the fans are going to want to go. And it makes the fans happy because instead of like Eva Marie or someone like that, which is what WWE would have done. Or they would have just had the villains do something stupid. They brought out someone that was going to get a good reaction. It's like in uh, at the 2000 Rumble, where the fans were chanting, we want Taz, and here's Taz. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was something that would have made... It was going to make the fans happy in New York to see this guy. Though I'm assuming the, the they had figured it out already. But anyway... um, yeah, it wasn't the fact that I that Blue Pants was there. It was the fact that she fit perfectly in that spot, and NXT figured that out. That's why I was so happy to see her. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, Joe Corbin was was decent. Yeah, uh, that that was that was uh, I call that the big the nice surprise. Yeah, no, I I, th- I knew it was going to be pretty good because I knew I know Corbin just as a fighter and as a uh, you know an old. Uh, guy who used to be in major pro athletics I mean I know he can go in there with another hoss who can fucking work stiff and they can pull out you know at least a good physical match I don't know if you're gonna get you know some great uh, psychological Corbin if he's put with the right people can do some damn good things we saw it with Neville we saw it with Samoa Joe yeah I dig it Yeah, he, he uh, his style reminds me of kind of or not style really but that dynamic of him reminds me kind of much of Diesel from 95 where yeah, if you put bit. him if you put him in there with a guy like Sean or Brett, he could give you a very good match. Now, if you put him in there with somebody else who's not quite that level, it can get ugly quick. We need but, to get him. Uh, we need to get Corbin linked up with uh, with Scott Hall. That's what you, you've seen. Corbin's okay. punches. 
Don't yeah. they kind of look like the old Scott Hall punches? The old Scott bit, Hall comeback punches? I like. I, I think that they. Uh, I don't know. I like the similarities, and I'd like to see you know him bite some more of that style. Fall back slam, a little one-handed pump choke slam, except they're about the same size. People forget just because Scott, I think Scott Hall was around in the time of Giants, but yeah. Hall's a big motherfucker too. So yeah, it's well, I mean, Hall was always hanging out with Nash and yeah. Giant and Giant half the time. So. Yeah. Yeah, you forget that he's about six seven, six eight. Yeah, six seven, six eight. Um, I don't even uh, know. There's no, you know what match I'm going to because there's uh, really yes, no words. We skipped Apollo Cruz. Oh yeah, I did want to get thoughts on that real quick. I didn't want to do match for match because we got a lot of stuff to cover. But yeah, I know. Um, I was about to say, this show is about to be four hours long. Uh, Apollo Cruz, man, that m- music was fucking. I was pumped. The guy's mm-hmm. charismatic. Um, a, a balance of, of fucking power, speed, and, and agility. How does this guy spend more than two weeks down in NXT before Vince is just I don't know cradling him in his arms, suckle at my teat, Apollo Cruz, suckle at my teat. Like holy okay, I, shit, everything okay. about him was just like off keep the fucking a, page. Keep talking for a second. I've got to get that image out of my head. Star tomorrow, tomorrow. A dude had it all, man. What? Well, some, someone, uh, I can't remember where I heard this, someone said he was Lashley crossed with Mysterio. Yeah. And that totally fits. It's fucking insane. As bizarre of an image as that is, it totally fits. I wish they would have, the only thing is I wish they would, for, that name's kind of fucking goofy, and Uha Nation is awesome. I don't know if yeah. you could hear it, but there was... Oh, I knew that. I didn't hear... You some pretty hear prominent Uha Uha fucking chants. In the crowd, so I, had, I didn't. You could. I didn't hear them much on screen, but I. I would not be. I was expecting them. So is uh, he always been? Uh, I thought this was cute. A cute little touch. Has he always been billed from Stone Mountain, Georgia? No, uh, not that I've heard. I haven't seen too many uh ha matches, but that was great. If he, was. I heard that and I'm like, oh, very nice. Yeah, billed from Stone Mountain, Georgia. They got a lot of snakes up that way. From yeah. what I understand, um, so what'd you think, man? Uh, that, I mean, uh, guy's the uh, fucking limit, right? Oh yeah, um, oh, very much so. Um, if he, unless he gets caught like in bed with a goat while uh, snorting cocaine off a off a hooker's corpse, he's gonna be a star. Fucking a kissing babies and hugging fat girls in no time. Yep. In oh. no time. I hope to enjoy him while he's down there. Um, and I hope they give him a, a. The only thing that concerns me though is um, I just hope they don't send him down. Like I hope he doesn't have like rock heat, where. That's very possible. He's always. I'm just so athletic and I smile all the time and positivity and da 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 da. And he just he's just white meat baby face. You know what I'm saying? I don't want him yeah. to kind of get lost in the shuffle in that way. I hope there's there's an edge and a character to him. Um, there and again, I fully trust NXT to pull that off. But for a debut, holy fucking shit. Yeah, and as you said about sky's the limit, that's kind of a nice little transition there. To, uh, well, Sasha Banks' theme song is called "Sky's the Limit." Is it? Yeah, I did not know that. If you listen in the part where the guy speaks really fast, he says "Sky's the Limit" in the middle of it. Well, <laughs> very nice. This is the type. This is the kind of fucking top-notch, in-depth research that you can only find on the Wrestling Wars podcast. People on other shows can't even fucking remember the name of. The highlight reel. 
but KB can tell you what the fucking name of Sasha Banks' music is and pieces of the lyrics. Um, well, it's on my iPod. What do you expect? I. What do you even say about that match? I can say <laughs> what I will say is it was. It's probably my favorite. It, yeah, it's my favorite. Well, it's right. It's right there with being the the best match I've ever been a part of live with. The triple threat from Royal Rumble. I've had myself a hell of a year of, of I gotta being move at live wrestling. Man, but, I'm moving to your part of the country. I'm sick of getting uh, a house show a year and, right? being, and being smiled at. This, the, and I will say that I have never been a part of anything that was the emotion and the pop and the passion and just the insanity that ensued when she reversed that fucking the bank statement. Oh, yes. Everybody, when you get a chance... Just go back to that part of the match. Turn your surround sound up really loud. It's it's it was fucking crisis level ten in there when she reversed that fucking submission hold. At that point of the match, I mean, it was great all along. Everybody was excited. Everybody was enjoying it. But everyone was like, "Hey, we're about to see a really good women's wrestling match," and they're enjoying it. And they're like, "Oh, this is good." When she reversed that fucking hold, that place was completely consumed in kayfabe like we were watching a real struggle like nobody everybody completely had suspended their disbelief they were completely in the moment like they it was it was completely lost like completely it was fucking insane i've never felt anything like that before in a at a live show there are very rare moments in wrestling where you have a feeling, especially with people like with fans like us, where we could pretty much sit down and map out what an entire card is going to be. Yeah, that's not hard to do. There are moments where something happens and it goes off script from what you were expecting. Yeah. It happened when the Rhodes brothers beat Shield to win the titles. It happened when Punk beat Cena in Chicago, and only a handful of other times where. Yeah. You reach that point where you are dead certain this is it, and then some, and then it shifts gears, and that, and you don't know what's coming next. There is nothing better than that feeling, and that's what happened when Bailey flipped that holdover. And what? And another, the next part that you can tell that I'm not bullshitting is that you go from as loud as it gets. As passionate as it gets when she flips that hold to not two minutes later, she misses the hurricanrana and lands on her fucking head, it looks like, and you could hear a fucking pin drop in that arena. Mm-hmm. Everyone's breath was just, <gasps> gone. Mm-hmm. Gone! And everybody was like, oh my god, what just happened? Um, I was there for a few seconds, but I, I'm looking at the ring and I can see... First of all, she I don't want to ruin it and pick 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 anything apart, but she missed her by a fucking mile. <laughs> if you watch it on the replay. So that's how I knew I'm like, no, Bailey's too good. Like there's no that was purposely done so we could have like a like a you know, a, a bottom drops out type type segment in the match. Yeah. Um she misses her by a mile and the referee, you know, they don't really react as if something went wrong. Mm-hmm. Now Usually they'll they'll cover for it and keep going da da da. But if somebody 
half backflips and lands on their head, they're not covering for that. Like you're gonna, yeah. it's gonna be holy shit, something just happened. And yeah. so, I Scripted was botch. I knew pretty quickly that okay, everything's okay, she's all right, match keeps going. But hey, for five to ten seconds, it was full on. Oh my god! And everybody was just silent. Um, between that, the emotion of the victory, I, I'm, I mean, they pointed it out on the show. Well, I am here to confirm that it was not hyperbole. There were numerous grown-ass fucking adults mm-hmm. around me crying when she won this belt. The emotional investment, yeah. the, the greatness of that match cannot really be overstated. For me, it's right up there with, with the triple threat at Royal Rumble for match of the year. I'll give it moment of the year. Match of the year, I'll have to think about that. But as far as just a moment, yes, absolutely. Because, like you said, it's for at least a year now. And the idea that someone who is as innocent of a character as I've ever seen, there is not a single evil thing about her. And it's so bizarre to see someone who is there as a superhero to, to like, 12-year-old girls. It was completely non-sexualized in any sort of right, way. Absolutely not. Um, I mean, like, a buddy of mine, he, we were discussing, it was, uh, like, earlier this year, he said he thought he had a crush on Bailey, and I'm like... How? <laughs> well, but it was, it wasn't that kind of a crush, it was just like, she's just awesome, and yeah, I yeah, want yeah, to yeah. hug her. Yeah. In that way. You know, it just, and I'm the same way. It's just like, I don't, not, I, I like Bailey, not in that way, in, and I want to hug her and watch her win the NXT women's title way. Yeah. Because she's just awesome. Uh, now, the, the thing that I, the thing that stood out to me in this match was the, it was not the ending, but the move right before it with that reverse Hurricane Rana. Yeah. Jesus. Because, <laughs> because yeah. the thing, the thing is, if you look at that, that was the move that finished it. The Bailey to Belly just... Also, is it Bailey to Belly or Bailey to... Be- I can't even say Bailey to Bailey? Because they, they keep changing it I on think commentary. it's Bailey to Belly. I think that's what it, it is. They, they change it on commentary, and it's screwing me up. Yeah. Um, the thing is, that match, that move didn't finish Sasha. It finished her all. It just put her out of her misery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's what I like the most about... Uh, one of the things that was just kind of flew under the radar. Bailey had her beaten off that Hurricane Rana because Sasha was out on her feet. Yeah. A stiff a stiff breeze would have pinned her at that point. And I loved I liked that a lot. Just put Where that was, nail in the coffin, yeah. yeah I it, dig because it. it wasn't that Sasha or it wasn't that Bailey caught her with a big move and knocked the wind out of her or something. She had beaten Sasha before she hit it. Sasha had given her everything she could and she couldn't beat her. At least not on that night. Are we going to let's also highlight let's not lose it's funny because it's crazy when what might be the best piece of ring psychology I've seen in years is, like, you know, the fifth thing on the list we talk about when we talk about mm-hmm. this match. But the way that Banks had been working over Bailey's injured hand. Yes. And then Bailey's reaching out for the rope and almost gets it, and then Banks stretches her leg and stomps the broken hand. Fuck, that's so... Like I was saying, you know, elsewhere, that I is guess. shades of... Of perfect versus Bret Hart in King of the Ring 1993, where that's just fucking brilliant psychology to attack that injured that that injured area in a way that 
it makes it into a game of inches where it just barely stops her from from getting to the ropes. You just yeah, it seems so simple, but you just don't get stuff like that anymore in wrestling, and that's right. was just fucking fantastic, man. That's that that's part of that sequence. I I sent an email to my wife after after that match was over. I'm like, watch this back. There is a sequence in this match. You will know it when you see it. It is the best sequence I've seen since Benoit and Angle were yeah. just countering each other's counters in in the at the 2003 Rumble. That see that's that is as good as it gets. With period. once again, it goes back to it's as good as it gets because they had us. They had yeah. 15,000 people completely forgetting what they're watching as a show. Mm-hmm. Completely wrapped up in the roller coaster and the story that they were telling. Uh, th- this is one beautiful of the, thing is as good as it gets. This is one of the few signs that you have that you have a crowd. I don't think anyone who has watched NXT for more than about eighteen seconds believed that Banks was winning the title, was keeping the title. It was about as obvious as possible that Bailey was leaving with the belt. That that's not really that was never really in doubt. The fact that they made us believe for just a few seconds that Bailey wasn't going to win. That Bailey had no chance for a couple yeah. of seconds, yeah. When they can take you from where you know, you know, you know that it that one thing is going to happen and then make you believe it's not, that is, that's almost impossible to do. I mean, people like Shawn Michaels could do it with Undertaker off that, like, super kick into the pedigree. And yeah. Inside the cell, that made me, and a couple of the super kicks at WrestleMania 25 had me believing it was it wasn't going to go that way. That that bank statement where she stomped on the hand had me believing Bailey wasn't going to win, even though I knew that I knew that she was yeah. going to. That's incredible storytelling, and that's not something you get very often. Fortunately, it was tough for. You know, when I went back and watched it, actually, on um, on the network the next day, uh, praise be the name, uh, Balor and Owens was a pretty damn solid, uh, pretty damn solid ladder match, actually. Yeah. But what in the world was going to follow that, that, that women's match? Yeah, that's true. Um, I thought it stood up, and I think that's why, um, in person, it was a little bit of a, uh, kind of a let the air out of everybody. Because, yeah. honestly, uh, the feeling, the general feeling was, um, you know, these guys, they're two world-traveled warriors, you know what I'm saying? Like, Kevin Owens and Finn Balor are both bad motherfuckers who have who have oh, yeah. done it all over the place. So we all really thought, like, hey, um, he's they're going to go out there and they're going to try, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, especially with some of the rumors about how some of the NXT people are being treated on the main roster. Um, the fact that, <coughs> um, you know, Triple H knows this is his baby and he wants it to do well. And I, I really thought, hey, they're going to, he, he's going to get in these guys' ear and say, hey, go out there and go fucking nuts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. go out there and show them why this is the shit. Like, follow that mass match. And so when they're getting towards the final segment of the match, the crowd thought it was the segment before the final segment of the match like we all had the expectation like these guys are gonna try to at least come close to what we just saw and so we were all ready for 
another five minutes past what they went and, you know, one or two more huge spots. Like, I was completely, like, holy shit, he is going to do this cradle suplex off this fucking ladder onto the other ladder. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. And it... it, it was Then it was just over. And everybody's like, oh, okay. Okay, and then well, we still, all celebrated. Like it was, it was, yeah. you know, it was fine. But yeah, it's hard. It's hardly like it was a bad match. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, given the, the, that's the problem with ladder matches, what is there left to do in a ladder match aside from like just breaking someone in half? Yeah, there's only so much you can do without dying. Um, and it's it's a problem with every ladder match I really liked it it shouldn't have gone on last um just because there was they never took me to the point where I believed Owens was gonna win but that's not on them yeah because I mean there's only so much you can do in that situation uh but very good match and I was I was curious to see how um how that I think that match is gonna go up in value in a vacuum like yeah, you, well, I mean, it did just the day after for me yeah, when I watched yeah. it the next day. I was like, hey, you know what? That was a pretty fucking good match. Um, yeah. And I, th- just, and we were, per- we were, you know, into it in person. Honestly, it felt like, I mean, at least in my section with me myself and then the people who were all around me, it was kind of like, okay, that was awesome. The match was awesome. The women's match was awesome. But okay, that's done now. Like, let's go. Like, this is going to be fucking crazy. This is going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. And then it, it wasn't. Yeah, there was it no was buffer. Just good. Yeah. There's no buffer in that. You have to have something just to let the fans breathe a little bit. Um, but given the fact that the show was already running half an hour over, which thankfully they own their own network. If only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Yeah, but at least, but hey, at least Stephanie got to introduce the diva, the the women's match. God. Uh, that's one bring thing I me a to fucking ask. bucket, man. Jeez. That's one. That's something I wanted to ask you about. What was the reaction when? You know that's coming, and then Stephanie's music hits. Sadly, unfortunately, everyone was pretty fucking okay with it. Well, I think I fuck could have been someone. Someone could have shit their pants in the seat next to me. The fucking face I made. I was like, I can't fucking believe that. It's become like a trip to the dentist's office. You know it's coming. No one is excited about it. But you just kind of hope that they don't break, that they don't make you scream in pain. Because she's going to come out there, she's going to make it all about herself for about two seconds. Um, because she has to. Uh, we'll get, I'll get into this more when we get to, when we get to one of the SummerSlam matches, but there was something she said in there that just made me cringe and summed up the problems with the Divas as a whole. But we'll get to that later on. I just I just wanted to know how bad was it when her music hit. Unfortunately, everyone was pretty pretty uh, docile about it. Everyone was, mm-hmm. everyone seemed fine with it. So that's, yeah, that's 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 a concern. Um, God, speaking of concerns, well, the fun part of this show has officially ended. Everyone, uh, it felt like in the initial reactions. We were pretty much in the same boat uh, when it comes to SummerSlam, mm-hmm. which basically can be summed up to, uh, what the fuck was that? Well, um, that, that, well, it depends on which 
which moment you're talking about. Before we than... get off the exit ramp to Negativity City here, um, what was your grade for, for TakeOver? I gave it um, an A. Would you expect much less? Just a straight solid A. I, I, shit, I was there live, and I still went A-, minus. so good. Good, yeah. glad, glad. Well, Crit- I, I get... Critically acclaimed NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. Fucking watch it if you haven't watched it. Anybody yeah. listening to this show has probably fucking watched it. Yeah. But if you haven't, for whatever reason, check it out. And now we get to SummerSlam, which... Um, Did not receive an A or an A- minus from me. N- no, not me either. Um, though, I w- quick side note before we get into this. I thought this the other day. To me, SummerSlam has stopped being the second biggest show of the year. Which, I'd give that to the Raw after WrestleMania now. Yeah, yeah. Because SummerSlam, just... SummerSlam, I'm sure we'll touch this more, it felt just like a preview, like a bridge to get to another show later on, instead of a big blow-off for everything this summer. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, when you said with... What was that? What moment are you talking about? Because there's more than one thing that could be... that could be classified as that. So I'm trying to figure out if we should go, if we should like start off positive and then go in the negative. We should pepper positivity throughout the the, the review of this. Um, I'm thinking we just go step by step through it because there's a lot of stuff in here that's going to take a lot less time than than Takeover did because well, I really don't care. What stood out to me, I'll go with things that I liked. Things that stood out to me, that tag match was fucking. That's right up there with, uh, I'll go with for that. me, top top 20 matches of the year. That was bust-ass, man. Super entertaining. Super fun. Loved the sneaky win by New Day. New okay. Day, of course, is fucking incredible. They just keep yeah. getting better and better. They're so much fun. They're so fucking entertaining. Um, Unfortunately, though, they're apparently they have edited out the song at the beginning because of some copyright claim. Yeah, yeah. Because, heaven forbid, anybody ever parody something. Right. You might ruin the artistic merit of whatever. Ugh. Um, yeah, very fun match. Uh, New Day winning is great. New Day has reached the point where they're just so many steps ahead of everybody else. The primetime players were fine, but New Day is just... They're reaching that Edge and Christian level where yeah, yeah. the fact that they're the champions is kind of secondary. You just want to see what are they going to do, do next. Yeah, they're they're a, a entity, a whole thing into their to oh, themselves. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, great match. What did I give that? I gave that a B. Uh, surprisingly enough, you're going to hate me for this. A B minus. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, then again, I'm not as big of a tag guy as some people are. It was an incredibly entertaining match. Yeah. Uh, and it should have opened the show. Not Sheamus versus Orton, uh, like nine, like nineteen or whatever. The less, that's one of those things we can skip. Uh, we can it skip was, that. We can skip Ziggler Russo since the WWE scene fit to skip it and make it completely yeah, that, that was fucking pointless to be on my goddamn television. That was um, a raw match without a commercial. Exactly. We could skip the triple threat because same thing. Um, didn't need to happen the first time they scheduled it. No. It was to the point of not needing to happen where God himself intervened and made it so the match didn't happen by giving Ryback a staff infection, and yet they kept on and went right ahead, and then we saw the result. Um, which, which the result also screwed up maybe my favorite match of the night uh, with uh, Stephen Amell and Neville against what should have been Miz and Stardust. That 
match was the other positive thing that I was going to talk about. Okay, good. I feel like this is not getting blown up nearly enough. That was fucking incredible. It really was. That was was fucking incredible. That guy's a non-wrestler, and he was selling. He took an ass-whooping. He was the segment of the match where he gave the hot tag. Like, usually, you know, they'd stand on the apron, look pretty, take a hot tag, do a couple of shitty moves. The real wrestlers would bump it, sell for him like a motherfucker, and then we'd go home. No, Amel was the one in the ring getting his ass kicked for the majority of the match. He had a hope spot. There was fucking everything. That was fucking incredible. Yeah. And for your insider lingo, that's known as playing Ricky Morton when you take a beating like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Um, yeah, for sure. uh, Just where did that come from? It just it was amazing. Yeah, truly. He just he looked like, he looked like a developmental guy. He was easily he was up there. Like okay, the Mayweather Big Show match is still number one for celebrity matches because that was fucking awesome. That was and, but as far as individual performance, that was the best individual yep. performance any celebrity yep. has ever fucking put on in an involvement with WWE. That was fucking incredible. Zero argument for me except um, for, the, for the Rock. Well, I don't know if that counts now. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, not in the same category, at least. Uh, it, it's that was a thing of beauty out there. Where Amel just—he looked like a natural. Like he looked like if you gave him six months in developmental, he'd be working house shows easy. I, I would have preferred to. He probably could have kept his shirt on because he looked fucking ridiculous. He looked like like somebody's dad who showed up, you know, to a barbecue, play volleyball or something. But, um, yeah, but I mean. The, the big thing for celebrities, and Amel nailed this, he looked like he wanted to be there. You've seen, you we have seen countless celebrities who are who just are clearly there to plug something and have absolutely no desire to be on this show. Yeah. And they're clearly just waiting for their check so they can get out as fast as they can. Amel looked like he was having the time of his life in there. Yeah, it was damn fantastic. Yeah, damn fantastic. The, the thing where he gets up and dives onto... On to Stardust and Barrett. He didn't think about that for nope. half a second. He got up there and just did it. And I'm so glad that they didn't do like the stupid like where he looks to the crowd and is like, "Should I? Should I?" Yeah. No, he just dives. Yep. And um, he looked like a natural, and you do not see that from celebrities. I'm going to apologize to the New Day here because this positivity is, is starting to overwhelm me a little bit too much for a show that I did not feel positive about. Um. Where shall we go first with where the fuck this thing went off the tracks? Um, well, before we get to off the tracks, uh, quick thoughts on the Wyatts and the Shield? Uh, I forgot it was even there, so there you go. Uh, I think, well, because I think I had become so numbed with fucking a couple of boring-ass matches that didn't need to be there that, like, I don't... Yeah. Like, I barely paid attention to that match, and it was, you know, paled in comparison to... Yeah. The, 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 its predecessor with the Shield versus the Wyatts. Well, because um, when, when you started talking about the tag match and that was one of the best matches of the year, I'm like, I, I thought you meant Shield and Wyatts. I'm like, oh, it wasn't that fuck good. no! Are you crazy? Yeah, no. that, that, that's what... I'm like, what is he talking no, about with no, this? No, 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 uh, The other problem with that for me, I did the math on this. In the last month, in singles matches alone, we've seen Reigns and Harper for 40 minutes. That's leading. That's not even counting their tags. I am sick of seeing these people fight in yeah. any combination. Well, I don't need to see this again. Hey, thanks, WWE. Five hours a week. That's, that's what we need. 
Um, okay, yeah. so now we get on to the um, other stuff. It's a shame because until the go-home segment, Rollins and Cena was probably one of the more brilliant matches I've seen this year. Um, the way that in a subtle way, but it wasn't subtle, that they, in every respect, switched the heel and face roles for the match. I thought was just incredible. They had John Cena wearing black, working a power style where he was trying to catch and slow down Rollins, headlocks, um, gritty brawling, uh, pushing the rules, where you had Rollins come out in all white and gold, and he's fearlessly flying all over the ring and doing fucking flips and pulling out all the stops and just throwing himself at this fucking wall that cannot be moved in John Cena. That was... It was... The psychology of it was so good, and the subtlety of it was so good. I loved... I loved the match. Until you get one of the most fucking nonsensical, blatantly obvious, hey, we don't fucking care about the competition. We don't fucking care about making our belts seem like they matter. We don't fucking care about making the wrestling seem like it matters. We care about video cameras rolling and talking Mm -hmm. about on Good Morning America how Jon Stewart interfered in this match with one of the shittiest weakest chair shots of all time when the fucking month before Kevin Owens fucking ran him over in a van and buried him and he still fucking beat Kevin Owens John John Stewart comes out with this rinky dink fucking chair shot that wouldn't have fucking put a toddler on the ground and yeah that's how we end this match yeah that just crippled everything they had going for it. Uh, I had the match at probably an A until then. That ending dropped it down to a B plus. Uh, it was still good, but uh, it was still very good. But yeah, just that came where... Ugh. Just ugh. That's the only way to put it. I, again, I completely got what they were going for. I completely got why they did it. But like you said, this takes every bit of focus off the match. I barely remember the match because all I can think of is the ending. And it was a really good match. It was a great 18 and a half minute match and then a bad slap in the fucking face, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just I guess it's the price we have to pay to get WWE big because, I mean, but there was nothing else they could have done. Right. To get Stewart involved. I mean, at least do that. Else do that, and then have the finish like a minute or so later. Don't let that be the finish. Uh, yeah, like, couldn't have that been like a, a a pivotal moment where the tide turns. Yeah, and, and then have you know, and then have like Rollins roll him up with a handful of tights. Another or two minutes or something like that. Like, golly. Yeah. Damn, the good, pays for the network and for NXT. Fuck it, I guess. That's true. The good thing is though. We did have there. There were a few positives to take out of that match. One, Rollins beat Cena. That was the, fucking Rollins, incredible. You, you have to have you have to beat Cena just like as a rite of passage as a champion. 
Yeah. Because uh, without that, until then, it's Cena's title to win. Now, it's pretty clear we're going to get a rematch at some point because it's WWE, and if you don't have 25 versions of a match, it's not a, fu- a fleshed-out feud. Um, but uh, Cena, Cena dropping the U.S. title there, you had to get it off of him somehow, I guess. I mean, and since this is WWE, it can't be over someone beating him. Like, well, Cena I think said was I think happened. the uh, the long form. I think we got things coming up here. Night of Champions. We're gonna get to that in a little bit. Um, here's a question I got for you. This makes this is making me think of it because you're talking about how he beat Cena, but in reality, we know he didn't. He didn't really, really beat Cena. Um, he pinned him. We'll go with that. Think about this, and this is both kind of a trivia thing. And this is why I'm asking you, because you're the database. Um, uh-huh. And just a highlight of fucking WWE's booking. Five hours of TV a night. Or five hours of TV... Someday it might be five hours of TV a night. Five hours of TV a week. Mm-hmm. A pay-per-view at least once a month. Sometimes every two weeks for a little while. Mm-hmm. Since WrestleMania. Has Seth Rollins won one match clean? Are we talking pay-per-view or TV? Anything! Fucking anything! Yeah, I think he beat Neville. Didn't he beat Neville clean? On Raw? For the title? I'm trying to think if he... Because Neville hit the full four... shenanigan. Neville hit the red arrow, mm-hmm. but ne- Rollins got his foot on the, the ropes. ropes, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that was clean. If I can... What happened in the ladder match? I feel like... Did yeah, the ladder, the ladder. Well, I mean, it's as clean as a ladder match can be. Well, I mean, in in that, was there any interference? Was there anything ridiculous? I don't believe that so. Uh, I believe he just destroyed. He just fucking buried Dean Ambrose in ladders or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then they, they they came down with the belt with the with the belt at the same time. So in a way, it was kind of. Well, cheating. yeah, that was a chicken shit win too because they both fell and Rollins ended up with it. I remember that now. Yeah, but it could have been a lot worse. So. I'm trying to pull up the 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 Neville match, which I which I don't believe there was interference. If or it was, any... it wasn't anything major. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think so either. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, there was no interference. Uh, Neville went for another one, another Missed red it. arrow, and it just hit the mat, and then Rollins just pedigree. Pedigree. So one match. One. Since he won the title. Yeah, but that being said, there's an old line that I cannot remember who said it, and I wish I could because it's a brilliant line. If heels one match is clean, they would be faces. One fucking match, though? One? In five hours of TV a week? Pay-per-views? One? The, well... I, no, 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 and I don't even... Hey. Winning clean and going over as a heel... I'm fine if he's cheating. I'm talking about the fact that every single thing he does has is the most chicken shit. Just fucking. It's not even like Rollins is the champion. The authority is the champion. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. If he was pulling tights, if he was, you know, doing stuff when the ref's back is turned, if he. That's one thing. But. The fact that he has 18 fucking people interfering for 80% of the match for every fucking thing he does. 
how is this guy supposed to look like a star? They put he's him not. forward like he's the man, and he's just this, that, or the other. How does he... You're not going to like my answer to this. It's because he's associated with Triple H. That's their star rub for him. That Triple H, who is his daddy in this story, they have made it very clear that he is trying to please his daddy with everything he does. That's their big rub for him. Which, you keep hearing that it's leading to Rollins versus Triple H, which... (laughs) I mean, because nothing says this guy is the hottest champion in the world than fighting Sting and then presumably Triple H two months later. But now, uh, if that's what that ends up turning into, then I still think they waited too long and they kind of wore us out before they gave us... WWE waiting too long and wearing us out? Before they pulled the trigger on what they should do? Yeah, I know, right? I'm talking crazy talk. Um, Before we move on to that, which is coming up next... I don't know what happened where I was suddenly transported to a, a fucking TNA pay-per-view to close this out with Undertaker and Brock Lesnar. What was... Once again, I was, what the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? Uh, That's right. I, Silence. You don't even fucking know what to say about it. It was a way to set up a third match. That's it. I mean, you could have done it without all the, the rigmarole on fucking... With the the fake tap out and the fucking bell keeper ringing the bell, and you could have just had Lesnar passing out. You know what I mean? You or could have the referee but... missing missing him tapping out when he's counting his shoulders, and that's how he let go of the thing because he was trying to get his shoulder off the mat or something. It came up like WWE. If nothing else, go with uh go with the July fourth. 2002 finish with Kurt Angle against Undertaker where Undertaker taps while he pins him. Yeah. Do that. Um, which looked like what they were going for at first and then the bell rings and whatever. Um, yeah, it was a way to get to a third match because we, because for some reason the solution to Brock, the way to book Brock Lesnar is to have him fight trilogies against People. non-active wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, which the first match was awful. The second match was significantly better. That was actually a pretty damn rockin' and rollin' match until fucking that yeah. shit happened. So, in other words... Kind of a the, theme on SummerSlam. I was about to say, the two biggest matches of the show, great matches until the stupid endings. Um, uh, this is what WrestleMania 30 was supposed to be. Um, but they... Again, it's booking for another day instead of ever having a blow-off that isn't at WrestleMania. You yeah. always have to leave something open because... Well, they didn't I, even do that at this WrestleMania. Fucking Seth Rollins. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, it, it seems like they're always trying... One of my biggest flaws with WWE's booking, and good lord there are a lot of them, is they always they always seem to overthink things. They, they cannot just have, like you said... L- just have Brock pass out. He doesn't get pinned. He doesn't submit. He just passes out. Uh, I mean, it's not that complicated. We know that they're going to do... It seems like they're building up to uh, the third match at WrestleMania 32, which would probably be Undertaker's retirement match, because if there's one thing I want to see now, it's these guys fight again. 
when Undertaker's one thing that separates him from everyone else is already gone. And then the other thing that separates him from everyone else, the fact that he's never tapped out, that's gone too. Yeah. Uh, so, yay, I get to watch this same match again as Brock takes something else from him. Um, which is a great way to honor his legacy. Right. But um, it was a way to get to a third match, and that was the most creative thing these writers, who probably felt the need to have a contract signing to get to that ending, I'm surprised they didn't just pull up a table and have a contract signing in the middle of the match. Yeah, just about. Might as well. Just about posted up fucking flyers. See the third match at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, but that was, that sums up my problem with this SummerSlam. It felt like a means to get to whatever else the next end is. Not anything that is just SummerSlam on its own. So what grade did it get? Uh, the overall show? Yeah. Uh, I gave it a B- minus overall. There was stuff I liked, uh, including the Cesaro-Owens uh, match, which I'm assuming got cut for time here. Which I found to be fucking shocking. Holy shit. And then he won clean again the next night on Raw. Yeah. What the it's... fuck? Or no, wait, 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 wait. It was a tag match, right? The next night on Raw was the big, the big, uh... Yeah, he, he won lost... clean on SmackDown this week. Yeah. That's where he won clean. He, but... They walked, they walked, He Owens walked out on the tag. So, so, two clean wins in a row this week. What the fuck? What is happening? Goodness. Shocking. Um, uh, yeah, uh, it was a good show, but it just kind of felt like, eh, that happened. It was pretty good. Next. I didn't think so. I was fucking outraged. Um, it was probably because I had existed on a plane of wrestling Nirvana only, yeah. only 20 hours before this show. But, so. And the problem was there was absolutely no way that it was going to live up to TakeOver. Oh, there was a way, there most certainly was a way, but they decided that they were going to make sure that they highlighted what the fucking differences are between sports entertainment and the developmental wrestling show. Which comes fucking off like Kevin, which comes off like... Foolishness. It comes off like Kevin Dunn running up to Triple H in the back going, that's how you do a show. Yeah, not... Way to fucking go there, Bucky Beaver. Um... <laughs> Speaking of legacies, is it possible? Is this possibly going to happen? Is Sting going to add the WWE Championship to his legacy? I think it, the fact that we're actually talking about this, I think it could. I don't know if he's going to, but he could. And I love the fact that I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If he if he does, I don't think it's any secret that he doesn't make it to Halloween with that title. Oh no, hell no! I, I, I mean, I'd, that's not that's irrelevant be, to the situation. I'd, I'd be shocked if he makes it out of the building. Out of the building, yeah. Same same here. Um, um, but uh, he'll he'll be Sting. He's very good in short bursts, uh, given the fact that he's like fifty, he's in his mid fifties at, yeah. at, at the youngest. Um, there's only so much he can do. But if there's anybody that can get over on pure charisma alone, it's Sting. Well, and if there's anybody who can go out there and feed for him and give him a fucking good match, oh, besides yeah. Triple H, is fucking Seth Rollins. He's he's a thug guy to do it. So, um... Yeah. Yeah, I'm fucking excited. Uh, is this... Furthermore, is this the beginning of something big as far as switching around um, Seth Rollins' character... Since being that it's Night of Champions, he's probably going to have to pull 
double duty. And being that he just beat John Cena for the belt, he's probably going to have to go through a match with fucking John Cena. Yeah. Earlier in the night. Which is a very good way of making, of giving Sting a fighting chance against Rollins. A fighting chance against Rollins, and it gives Rollins a shred of sympathy in that last that last bit of respect that he has already, I mean, if you could, you can tell most, um, I say this, I say this with great reservation, but most quote-unquote smart crowds, which are usually full of idiots, but mm. smart crowds um, already have 100% full of respect for Rollins and how great of a fucking performer he is. Yeah. Um, he does do a double duty gets through another crazy match with Cena, um, and then has to defend against Sting, and then somehow drops it in a great effort. I mean, you could see the evolution of the character to start turning him around into being a big-time babyface. Yeah. And w- once that finally happens, the place is going to go nuts. Oh, I think he's g- he could be huge. He's going to be huge. Yeah. I mean, he already sells merch. Um, his, his working style is already, uh, you know, that of... A babyface character. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see it possibly happen. I'm hoping that's the way they go with it. Yeah. Oh, you just just imagine him taking a beating for ten minutes and then making a, a hero comeback. It's gonna. There's no way that's not gonna work. Um. And again, the fact that he's like 29, 28, something like that. He's in the prime of his career and making yeah. every bit of it. Um. Uh, you give him a little more experience under his belt, and he's gonna be greatness. Quickly, the two other things that we saw, the two things to take away from Raw. Um, the Dudleys came back. Yep. Big fucking reaction. Yep. Um, I, you know, I really wanted uh, Enzo and Cass to make their fucking debut. We got the Dudleys. They I both, can live with this. They both looked, they looked like they're in great shape. They cut a great promo uh, on the, the network. Praise be the name. Um, for SmackDown. Uh they're going to make a good addition, and it'll be a fun yeah. feud against uh, yeah. against the New Day. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, it gives me a smile to see TNA get stuck with it one more time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, yeah, their they, authority figure is showing up in in, gla- in BCGs and fucking camo from a from a two thousands gimmick on another show, and getting ten times the reaction. Ten times the reaction. Yeah, and probably ten times the money. Um, just to appear as an act that everybody decided was stale when they left ten years ago, but time heals everything, and the Dudleys come. The Dudleys are one of my favorite teams ever, so just having them come back and just be themselves again, and probably get a nice. The thing is, the Dudleys don't even need to win anything. Nope. And they're gonna they're gonna get a good addition to the addition to the card. While we're here, TNA, you fucking suck. (laughs) Um. Gotta get that in every time. TNA looks a lot like Roman Reigns looked in the new Wyatt family members' fucking arms. Braun Strowman, this right here, this podcast, I can see it now, is going to become Braun Strowman headquarters. Yes, sir. Because I can foresee a lot of people out there being like, oh, what the fuck, that guy sucks, he doesn't even do any flips, fuck, blah, blah, blah. Look, I don't know what a six foot eight. 400 pounds of fucking muscle monster needs to do to impress you, but to me, him just walking around 
not feeling the effects of any punches and choking people the fuck out is quite yeah. convincing. Sometimes you just need a warlord. Yep. Just a big guy well, who is there for a nothing. A Michael Myers. Left. That's what he reminds me of. Yeah. A fucking He's Michael some... Myers. He's just a machine, man. So, sometimes you nothing just need you can a... even do. Sometimes you just need a monster to go out there and hurt people. He doesn't have to be Luke Harper with his athleticism, because we've seen how far that's gotten Harper. Sometimes you just need a guy who is there to do one thing. Because, like you said, when you're six foot eight and 400 pounds, there's not much you're going to be able to do, but you can stand there and make Roman Reigns look small. I would like to have seen um, maybe a mask, a half mask, like what Kane wore or what Wyatt wore when he was hurt down next he or some face paint to make his face look dirty. Um, that kind of it would be cool if it kind of looked like a mix of dirt and blood or something like that, mixed up like okay. smeared on his face. He has kind of a baby face, and that kind of throws it off a little bit. Um, for anybody who was wondering about this guy, who he was, um, he has been in NXT. Well, not NXT. He's been at the Performance Center training for about two years now. He has a legit championship uh, strongman background. Um, so that 385 of pure muscle is fucking serious and, uh, can be put to good practical use. So, um, good athlete. Glad to see him get his shot. Um, it's cool to have, you know, a monstrous, a sentinel with mm -hmm. the Wyatt family. I always thought it would be a much cooler concept if Bray Wyatt, you know, was a cult leader who actually had a cult behind him. Um, yeah. so it's cool to see that, um... I liked it. I did too. It's sometimes you, the, the like you said, it's better when he has a cult. Sometimes you just need minions to yep. go out there and do your bidding for you yep. because Bray shouldn't have to be fighting all the time. Yep. And it hurts a lot because he's gonna he's a he's a an upper mid card heel. He's gonna lose. So it helps to have these to have send out Harper to take the losses for him instead of and I mean you obviously don't want Strowman to lose yet, but because the problem with a guy like Strowman once he loses once he's pretty much done as far as his peak effectiveness. Yeah, so pretty you, much. Yeah. So you don't want to have that happen for a long time. So, I mean, that's why you have Harper out there. He can take those falls. And then he'll just do, like, two dives, and people will forget about his losses. Um, very quickly, uh, if any of you have not watched this week's episode of NXT... I'm going to say that it could possibly be the biggest pop I've ever heard in wrestling to start off that show when Enzo Amore and Colin Cassidy come out for their tag match. Yes. It is like a fucking bomb goes off. And I will tell you right now, it was like that in person, too. Mike, my, my voice was gone five minutes into the fucking show. Yeah. I'm just glad they... And again, they got him in front of that crowd somehow. Yeah, yeah. Because all because if they hadn't, then all night long there was a chance we would have been drowned out by we want Enzo chance. Mm -hmm. But they let the fans get that out of their system and go on with the show. It's almost like they thought this through. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. That's that is NXT's motto. WCW is where the big boys play. NXT and WWE is what the fuck NXT is it's almost like they thought this through <laughs> you can watch NXT you can see that on the network let's go over instead of recommendations this week 
What are you okay. What are you watching right th- these days? I am doing. You, some how you feeling raw, about it? I am doing some raw '97 at the moment. Funny uh, enough, that's the same thing I'm doing. Yeah. It's almost like the network puts good stuff out and we watch it. Mm. Um, it's almost like they thought this through. Um, but it. Uh, I'm up to right after. Um, to right after the screw job and uh, the um, Bret Hart is gone, which oddly enough they don't really talk about how he's gone. They're just like, yeah, Bret's gone. Yeah. They just say they just say it was controversial. They mm-hmm. don't actually say what happened, which is probably good because that is a powder keg. Yeah. And um, then th- we're like, what are we gonna do to fill this hole in? I remember what I do remember about that as a kid. I remember not at all understanding what the fuck happened. Like, yeah, what is everybody so mad about? Like, what I had, I just had no idea what happened. Yeah, and it's I mean. It, I don't know who to blame for it. Somehow, if you really think about it, Vince comes off looking like the most rational person in the whole thing. Right. I mean, Brett won't lose the title in this country. He'll lose it in this country? Yeah. What are we... I feel like I need a lawyer for this. And Sean is just a dick. That's the only way to put it. And Vince is trying to protect his company. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, you have to. But... Brett's gone, and we're like, what are we going to do now? And Austin comes out to celebrate winning the Intercontinental title, and here's Rocky. Yeah. And uh, they Austin... They go away on their great feud, yep. And Austin says, um, Austin says, the people out here are chanting, Rocky sucks. Son, you don't suck because the fans because su- the fans say you suck. You suck because Stone Cold said so. Yeah. And Rock, his head snaps up at that line, and you can see the greatness good stuff I'm uh I'm actually just a little bit earlier in the year than you um right when they put it out I started off at Royal Rumble 97 and worked my way up through um I'm at the go home raw for uh Wrestlemania 13 right now and um it's excellent what's funny though is there's a lot of like really awkward promos from back then like people are trying and they're trying to find that voice and like really go for it but they just they fuck stuff up on the regular. It just feels really awkward and like over. You can. It's still kind of gooey, like transitional. Um, mm-hmm. But it is still excellent TV. Um, excellent story building, like building an angle to a crescendo. Um, what I really, really like is like the last kind of feud, of, like of its kind, with um, with really character driven, like this character against these group of characters. I will. Everybody likes it because they kind of joke about it now. But the Nation of Domination with Farouk and Crush and Savio Vega and the whole crew—they were fucking awesome, man. Like, I remember when I was a kid watching it and being like, "How could you possibly beat anybody from that group?" There's like a hundred people with them all the time, and I look back now and I listen, and those promos that Farouk is cutting are fucking bad ass man like oh yeah the way he talks and his diction and his voice and the fact that they let him go ahead and um and have the creative envelope and push the limits of saying some of the stuff that he was saying back then they're fucking like wow those are some badass promos that he's cutting back here in these days and the whole program the whole build to blow off the Chicago street fight him and the nation domination against Ahmed Johnson the Legion of Doom it's it's just awesome. It's awesome. I, I love it. 
it would be awesome if the feud had ended there. I'm in November, and those people are still fighting. Yeah, I remember it kind of... I even remember this as a, as a kid, that things kind of all spun off in all these different directions, and it got stupid. But this part of it, and then the... One of... <laughs> one of my favorite opening parts of a match is WrestleMania 13, that Chicago Street Fight, and you just gotta watch it, because I can't, like, imitate it, but... The Legion of Doom's music hits, and Ahmed Johnson comes out with them, and he ha- he has the spikes on, too, and they just show... The camera just pops up, and it shows them, and Jerry Lawler just screams. Like, because... because and it was, and it was like, valid. You are valid to scream with what the image on the screen is right now, because somebody's about to get their fucking ass kicked. It was awesome. Yeah, if awesome you've, stuff. If, if you've never seen that six-man street fight, that is an un- that's a forgotten classic. Yeah. Oh well, I mean, in the way that the old Nasty Boys, uh, Cactus Jack and Tag Team Member X matches were, for well, the fact that yeah. it's a, a complete and total fucking shit fest dumpster fire, but it's oh, yeah. brutal as hell and crazy too. Well, Very consider, entertaining. Keep in mind that match follows the I Quit match, the submission match with Austin and 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 Hart. Yeah. To come out of that and have the the only other good match on that show, because yeah. that show is pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you've never, that's a quick recommendation for you. The six man street fight from WrestleMania 13. It's a good match. Fuck it's, yeah. well, it's, it's an entertaining match. Well, in the build, you know, in the build that up to it is available as well. So I, you know, I'd watch yeah. some of that if you guys can. Just you know, the parts of Raw. It was it was a good build. It was intense. The match is intense. Crazy. Good stuff. Yes, Not sir. as intense as this show though. This was an intense show. Um. Looking forward to Raw, seeing Sting come out. I guess he's going to kick off the show, cut a yeah. promo. We'll see if uh, Kevin Owens can secure yet another win, and then uh, we'll see if Rollins gets any more character development. Yeah, and there's a beat-the-clock challenge for the Divas. For the girls, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's, so I don't leave this on a cliffhanger. Uh, that line that I said Stephanie said earlier, I won't elaborate on this because I know we're going way over, um... She said that she decided there was going to be a Divas Revolution. No, she fucking didn't. Let me go back and see that. I refuse to... I must have fucking repressed that memory. And that right there sums it all up. This isn't because the storyline drives it. It's not because it's what the fans want. It's what Stephanie wanted. That's ghastly. Yeah. (sighs) That sums up the whole thing. It's what Stephanie wanted. Well... Yeah, but anyway, enough of that, because I will go on for 20 minutes about her. Yeah, I'm not trying so, to end this on such a sour note. An unsavory end. Um, um, WrestleMania 13, Chicago Street Fight. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, do you need a hug? Would that make you feel better? Divas, be- Divas beat the clock challenge. I hate beat the clock challenges, but whatever. As, at least there's going to be a show long, uh, a thread going on about that. And um, they're going after the title. Are we within sight? Are we within uh, Nikki Mania 2015? Like, is this almost over? How many more days? Uh, Three weeks, I believe. Fuck. So is that going to... It's the Monday before Night of Champions is when she ties it. You... No way. Yes. So you're saying there's a chance. If they actually would... If they had any kind of... If this was NXT, they would have her defend the title and lose it that Monday night. Well, no, I'm talking about Night of Champions. Well, yeah, but she's gonna have to defend it. 
She's yeah. going to have to have already broken the record. Yeah. So that bit of pettiness will be out of the way. Yeah. I'm just worried now that they're going to make it like a year-long reign or something because that's only two months down the road at Survivor Series. No, they just want to put AJ out of the books. That's all. Yeah. That's all they want to do. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm trying to grasp at any straw There's I can for chance. this. There's yeah. a chance. There's a chance. Night of Champions. All yes. right. Um, good shit. Thanks for joining me, man. Yes, sir. Um, you got any plug, plug skis this week or we fucking... Uh, just my site as always, kbwrestlingreviews.com. Fucking A. Yep. I thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we will be back soon. And until next time, catch you on down the road. Let's go!